Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. Anyway, welcome, Paul. Happy Monday. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Good. I'm happy to be here. Beautiful day. <laughs> you got the illuminating glow and smile. You know, I'm ready for this interview because you make such a great host. Oh, thank you, Paul. Thank you. It's Monday. He was running all around, came straight through the house and joined us. So I feel special. Anywho, Paul. Yes. It looks really good on you. White is your color. Um, All right. So you grew up in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. New York. What was that like? Um, You know, interesting enough, I just had this conversation last week with some of my childhood friends. Uh, grew up in Crown Heights throughout the uh, the 80s, which was a very trying time in New York. Like it was, um, it was rough. My I was raised by my grandmother um, and my mom and my dad. You know, all the family members pitched in. Went to junior high school. I had a, a specialized junior high school that I had to test into. Then I went to a performing arts high school called LaGuardia High School. Some of y'all have seen that movie called Fame. That's the school I went to where people danced on the ceilings and danced on the tables and the ground and gave art demonstrations and theatrical performances. That was my life for four years until I went to Hampton University as a music major. Then I graduated from the School of Business as an entrepreneurial studies major because I felt that business was my next endeavor. And my goal was to help my friends who were musicians make a living. So my best friend was a trumpet player. We decided to form a band and we started an open mic and we did live performances every week in Virginia and those weekly performances turned into world tours and those world tours got me into thinking about what is my worth in corporate America then I started working for different marketing companies marketing different products and brands in the Virginia market um, though some of those brands were you know lifestyle products uh, they go anywhere from alcohol to spirits to tobacco and that's how I stumbled into cannabis. Oh, he just stumbled. <laughs> Which brings because, us here today. Okay. I, I love the Cliff Notes version, but I read or saw somewhere, actually, one of your clients, you were overseas and they asked about cannabis and you being this proactive, entrepreneurial, like low key, but super grinder person decided that you were going to do your own research. You flew out to Colorado and then you got into it, stumbled into it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little more context, but yes, I travel a lot. Travel around the world pretty often. Um, I love a worldview. I love to see different aspects of society and understand different perspectives. So while I was in another country, um, one of um, one of my my uh, my friends asked me about the industry, the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was in a place that people normally don't ask about cannabis, and I was like, wow, they're asking about cannabis in this place. And it was somewhere in the Middle East. Okay. Like, this has got to be like the next biggest thing. So I'm like, look, <laughs> as soon as I get back, I need to go out to Colorado. I need to figure out what's going on. At the same time, another friend that I met prior in the Middle East actually connected me with a person who's my business partner that wanted me to help him market one of his products uh, okay. years ago. So he wanted to make his brand hot. And he asked me, uh, what was my take on branding and marketing and how can we merchandise this brand to speak to a different, you know, clientele and to bring the brand to life. So that's what I really do is really um, look at products, look at a lifestyle, look at a segment and see how I can, you know, build a niche product or how can I um, bring a brand um, to the forefront that correlates with a certain lifestyle group you know and i analyze that group and i bring the whole brand and package of life whether it's from designing the brand to the name to the story to the attributes to bring my creative team to help me build it out from the apparel to the merch so a whole 360 approach to branding so i feel like you know brand is a lifestyle people subscribe to that there's some products that don't really need brand i mean 
like for instance, you're probably not gonna walk around wearing a tied shirt or like a tied hat and things like that. But I feel like some brands, they allow you to fully immerse into the culture. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And like, you know, for example, that could be like, it could even be like something like Apple, right? Apple, I mean, you can see yourself wearing an Apple T-shirt or an Apple hat or, you know, yeah. or a bag or on the back of your phone, you see like the Apple, you know, holder right. for your phone and things like that. So certain brands have the, the power and ability to really um, uh, work with multiple touch points within your lifestyle. Um, so I like to I like to um, establish brands that can hit multiple touch points and bring a um, a feeling and an emotional connection from the consumer to the product. I love it. So, Paul, is it a coincidence because you and I'm sure your experience is all encompassing, but I saw a focus with alcohol, tobacco and now cannabis. So are you attracted to vices like what? Or is it a personality thing or a coincidence? Um, you know, what's interesting is that um, I, um, so like I've, I've worked in a lot of the sin industries. This is about coincidence, um, really, because um, when I when I worked with the Fuzz Band, it's a group that we that we created with my partner Dwayne at the time. Um, we did a lot of private events, so we did private events. We did a lot of college tours. And we did, you know, club dates. Mm. So since we were in the clubs, we had those relationships with club owners. So when it came to, so at the time when I was working in, in, in tobacco, the program, which I, I saw a job listing on monster.com that said, you know, do you like nightlife? Do you like entertainment? Do you like marketing? Do you like this? Do you like that? And I'm like, damn, this sounds like my dream job. And that's how I thought. <laughs> I said, my dream job. And I said, <laughs> and so they wrote me back, sent the resume applied, interviewed, and actually didn't get the job. And so like, I thought I was gonna get it because I was like, man, I'm super qualified. I can do it, I got the energy, I can make it happen, but I didn't get it. So eventually um, they hired someone for the market uh, manager role. And I kept on calling the headquarters. I'm like, look, I just wanna come in and just see what the program is about. Uh, I'll even intern, I'll just come out a couple of days a week just to see what's happening. Just so I can learn what's happening. And mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing. So I kept on calling them every week, every two weeks. And then like, I don't know, three months later, after me calling them several times, I called on the day they actually fired the person that they uh, uh, hired for that role. And so they said, yo, today's your lucky day. We actually fired the person today. <laughs> you happen to call. <laughs> Can you come back in for another interview? I said, bet. Came back in for the interview and then I wanted to get in the job. And that job was, you know, doing marketing. Um, for a, a, a ad agency that one of the clients was um, R.J. Reynolds, which owns, you know, Camel, Salem, all those tobacco brands out of North Carolina. So, um, so I, I gained a lot of experience um, doing in marketing. And what was interesting about that program is that we only talked to adult, um, legal adult smokers, meaning that people that, so we only dealt with individuals that are 21 and up. And you actually actually have to even communicate with them. They had to physically have a cigarette or physically have a pack in front of them. So it was a very unique program where it was like experiential marketing, but it was okay. experiential marketing in 21 and up venues mm-hmm. that you had, you know, associates and crews that targeted people that they actually physically saw smoking at these venues. And since Virginia was one of those places that you still smoke legally inside, it was, um, it was a place you could identify smokers. And that's how we approached them and, and talked to them, communicated with them and got to, you know, deliver the brand, deliver unique experiences. And those experiences range, range from elaborate events and mm-hmm. parties and like sweeps, I don't say sweepstakes, but, you know, fun, exciting things that they can win. And that was really like the beginning of my experiential marketing role. And then from that company, I went into Spirits and okay. I was with like Pernod Ricard, like um, doing some of their like their rum products, and I've, I've done Salem, and then um, and then I uh, wound up meeting uh, one of my close friends now, and uh, at the Essence Fest, his name is Mark, a uh, brilliant marketer out of Illinois, that worked for a company called Common Ground, which you know a huge company that had some great clients like you know Verizon and Coors Light and a lot of brands. So I started to work on Coors Light because of him and because of the owner who I actually um, uh, introduced to my company, Mez, 
uh, to come on um, in an advisory type of role. So um, it's been a, um, a whirlwind of experiences and, and travels that has brought me to this point in time because all those relationships gave me the opportunity to learn and right. then bring people into my current space. So Mark also came into the Nest Project uh, as an advisor. So I've always tried to reach back the people that I work with and bring them on forward, you know? Nice. So obviously your tenacity and grit got you, I would say that's at least 50%, but it seems like you're really good with not only establishing relationships, but actually keeping in contact with people. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I could be better. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but one thing about me is that I actually show up, you know, like, you know, people invite you places all the time. But, you know, why don't you come, you know, let's do this, let's do that. Or, you know, why don't you meet me in like, you know, some random country. I'm actually do that pops up in a random country. So like, you know, one of my boys lives, you know, he used to live in Malta. He's Ooh. like, yeah, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're ever in town, just pop over to Malta. And I'm like, all right. So like, I think I was in, I forgot what country. I was in some country like near the area. Right. And I'm like, uh, what you got going on for the weekend? He's like, no, nah, I'm just chilling. I'm like, yo, I, I can pop over to Malta and just come see what's up. <laughs> it was like. And you did. And I did. Let's pull up. Most of them actually uh, has a, they're working on a legal cannabis program now, actually. Oh, well, and I'm sure that you're on top of that. I'm in the background, in the background. I mean, I can't get an exclusive. Well, I don't really have anything to share yet, to be honest with you, but it's in the back of my head. I mean, I think the world is going to be, I mean, the world, I mean, that's going to be the beauty of the cannabis space, right? Because it's going to be a world industry. Um, an industry for the world and it's still in this infancy stage like it's just beginning like a lot of people are, are like wow this thing is blown up it's everywhere I'm like nah it really isn't because you only have you know you know a dozen or so legal states you know mm-hmm. more medical states right I mean, you do have a legal Canada you do have a, a legal Mexico now and you have countries in South America legalizing you have South Africa that decriminalize, you have like, you know, other countries in Africa, you have European countries that are testing the parameters of a recreational space. Mm-hmm. I think France is doing some tests, Switzerland, Germany. No, so you're seeing like these countries that are starting to like, you know, probe and, and look at the benefits to a decriminalized or legal medical recreational cannabis program. So this thing is going to be like, you know, gigantic. And then also you have an industry where since it hasn't been fully legalized federally, and they haven't been able to do all of the um, medical tests or the uh, experimental based, uh, uh, you know, research on it. So this probably, I mean, a lot of, you know, enthusiasts that have been using a plant for centuries back from Asia and, you know, India and Africa and all that stuff, they've been using this stuff for a lot of ailments. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's just coming to the forefront of modern society of what are these you know, qualities that we haven't yet exploited from the plant. And, you know, they will exploit it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess a big part of it, too, and what you probably are, I don't know if you feel like you've mastered this yet, is removing some of the stigma. Um, how Do you think that's ever going to happen, at least in our lifetime? Or is that even a goal of yours? Yeah, I mean, it was tough for me at first because, like, I never consumed weed until I was legally in the industry, you know? I was happy to just be, I wanted to ask, that's the thing. Okay, so Paul, not to cut you off, but that gives me, I mean, now I'm like asking for myself. So it seems like based on my limited research, but since you're the guru, there are actually more opportunities or at least just as many with the auxiliary product or whatever, what is it called? Auxiliary accessories? You know, like stuff that supports the cannabis. Oh, ancillary products? Ancillary, that's the, that's the term. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, I mean, it's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of, opportunity, yeah, products, opportunity. I mean, you can be totally in this business without being in the business. I mean, I mean right. like, you mentioned like accounting, engineering, whatever you happen to be good at to support this business. Yeah, it's the whole industry. Just like, you know, I mean, it's no different than, I guess, if you're like, you know, in a perfume business, right? You might not know how to make the um, mix the spices and the chemical reactions and the scents and all this stuff, but I mean, someone has to package it. Someone has to do the counting. Someone has to right. 
the marketing, the management, the logistics, you know what I'm saying? There's so many, like, you know, someone has to lobby, you know, someone has to make sure that, you know, the taxes are right. I mean, it's a lot of things that go into each, any industry, you know? So anything that applies in another industry applies in cannabis, right? That's and true. so you could totally work in the industry without even touching the plant. You don't have to touch the plant at all, essentially, you know? You can essentially say, look, I'm going to do a, a service that's going to support this industry. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do security services. You can do logistics, transport. Right. You know what I'm okay. saying? You can do an app development, you know? I see. You okay. do merchant services, you know? Yeah. So you so, know so that much. you were... So there's many ways. Oh, sorry. I feel like it's delayed because of my stupid internet. But, okay, so, Paul, I, I kind of cut you off. So you knew that you were good at branding and you wanted to get into this industry because of the trip that you had and then you just built the because you're not the face of your brand no so you you built this chat like you built this brand and you were like i want to do this because i see the opportunity and i'm paul so now i'm going to find the faces and different strategic alliances to like promote it right like is that the whole premise or well no well I feel like a great brand lives on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, like Apple still lives on without Steve Jobs. It's unfortunate what would happen to him, but it still lives on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Coca-Cola lives on. Yeah. You know, brands live on, you know, like, you know, Rolex, you know? Yeah. Right. One okay. of these brands they live on without their founders. You know what I'm saying? If it's a, it's to me, if it's and some brands, you know, of course, you know, you got like your Ben and Jerry's and things like that that you know is mm-hmm. symbiotic. You know what I mean? But to me, I like brands that can live a life on its own. Right? It has its own story, has its own like you know culture, and I can, I can, you know, you know, <laughs> I can weave myself in and out of the brand, touch uh-huh. brands, and, you know. But I'm still, I mean, it's still me. You know what I'm saying? It's still my partners. It's still everyone that touches the brand. It's still like a lifestyle and energy that we bring to it, you know? Okay. It's like when I, you know, worked on the color palettes of the brand, like the symmetrical logo, you know, the hat merchandise. We did a partnership with New Era Hat Company. I okay. mean, all these different ways of establishing, like making a brand an icon. And I feel like brands, when brands become icons, I think that's really like the grail of marketing and branding, right? Um, when it becomes like that, you know, that Xerox or that Clorox or like that, you're like, that's it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and brands, you know, it's hard for a brand to get there. But when they do, it's like... The whole grail, like you said. You have to, yeah, you don't have to be the, um, the face of it, you know? You can just be the energy behind it, you know, and I prefer to be the energy behind the brand. You Ooh, know, I was like, I'm stealing that quote. You don't have to be the face, yeah. just the energy. So what is the th- what does the third eye mean? I mean, I know that's prevalent, but I'm curious what that means and how does that tie into this brand? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so the logo ties in a few different. So I did the logo with my um friend that I've known for like 25 years who used to design the okay. album covers for the band. You know, so like these relationships keep on, you know, he actually, that's when I actually called me when, when the phone, oh. <laughs> but um, these relationships keep on, you know, you know, going through life. Okay. So, um, so when we was ideating the logo, you know, I wanted something that was upwardly mobile, I was lifting and that was taking off. So like, literally like those are a couple of renditions that he made. And then, and then it, it felt like something that had something that, uh, to me, it had to be a logo that looked good on everything, like a shirt, a hat, a wall, mm-hmm. a book, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, a jacket, you know, whatever. It just has to transcend every, every you know, material item you place it on, you know? Right. Okay. And um, it had to be something that was, you know, simple, but still complex. So it really was like a rocket, a movement, uh, like an upwardly going, upwardly mobile type of logo. Oh. And that's why you kind of, and then it's like the Maxis. So we looked at a couple of brands, like Inspiration, like my, you know, Mybacks, you know, um, at that time looking at the off-white, the shapes and the symmetries. Uh-huh. So like we, we, we laid out a bunch of different brands and looked at like, 
the emotional feeling and energy towards it. And that's how we came up with the Mez logo. So it was literally like a creating a story. And we had the name, like I, I researched and I found the name Mez out of the story, out of, out of learning about the industry. Mm-hmm. And then out of that story, the name came. And that, then we, I was able to write the entire brand story and explain that. And that's how we came up with the art to back up the identity of, of the brand. So is it a coincidence that you happen to be a musician and the brand or that just Uh, it's a coincidence, but it's 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 a coincidence, but it's just part of my life. You know, I feel like I feel like my life takes me on this journey that things just happen to work out, Mm -hmm. you know, because me being a musician. Uh, working with musicians, understanding musicians, being from New York, understanding jazz culture, understanding like, you know, weed around the way, understanding like people that have been harmed by, you know, cannabis laws, mm-hmm. the people that use it for relaxation. Like, I mean, some people just use it because they can't afford a psychiatrist. You know what I'm saying? That's like their everyday get by. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. you know, we take a couple of puffs and we just, you know, chill. You know, let me just think through this process, you know, and that's what some people use it for, to be honest with you. I mean, I, to be honest, you already know. You know, so people have different uses for it. And it's been happening for a long time. It's like, and prior to 1937, it was totally legal in America. So, like, there was no illegal weed before 37. And then the reason okay. um, that it became illegal is because of literally, like, racism, you know? Mm. Like, it was prevalent in Harlem. And people had a hard time with jazz cats smoking weed and um you know you had um white um you know kids coming or young adults coming from the city or from wherever coming up to Harlem listening to some music smoking weed you know it has created like this image of of uh you know image of you know the world was losing its its order you know what I'm saying? So they was like, yo, let's put a, a halt to this. You know, and literally they raged the war on, on weed. You know what I'm saying? But dentists and medical professionals use cannabis and your top pharmaceutical companies sold it. And before 1937, mm-hmm. Eli Lilly used to sell cannabis tinctures. You know what I'm saying? So this is nothing foreign. You know what I'm saying? Companies profited off this thing way in the past in America. You know what I'm saying? So, but... You know, it was used as a tool to demonize, just like mm-hmm. other items are used to like curb certain populations in America and Canada and other parts of the world. You know what I'm saying? So oh, there you have thank it. You, thank you, know, you so for that history. A, yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's a lot of history in it. And, um, you know, a lot of people have paid a hard price for mm-hmm. something that really should be, you know, it should be respected more by more all types of people. And that's one of the things that was kind of hard for me getting into the industry because my parents, I told my parents I'm about to get into the cannabis space, right? My parents <laughs> never, never consumed. Not, I don't think they ever consumed, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I mean, it was just a hard thing for me to tell them, like, look, I'm getting into this industry. Mm-hmm. And at first it was just like, you know, I'm getting into CBD and CBD was like the entry point. And then yeah. I started to like, you know, go a little further. I'm like, hey, I'm doing this, I'm learning this and that. So like, I was a little, you know, it was, it was a little intimidating telling my parents at first that this was the industry I was going to dive into, you know. But fast forward, a lot of people have these same concerns because if you're studied, you know, if, if, not even if you went to college, you don't have to go to college. But if you say, like, look, I just, I'm leaving high school, I graduated high school, I graduated college, and trying to get into this industry, when your parents are like, oh, I want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, right. or I want you to be an accountant, or I want you to do this. Right. You can do anything you want to do, but why you choose this? Because it, it, it wasn't a career that you could check a box for right. on 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Or when they were in school, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like a career path. Like cannabis like, was not a now. career path. Even not now. Well, you know, right. personally, well, personally, I've been going to different universities and talking. Like I did a panel discussion at Mega Evans College. Okay. Who my entrepreneurial teacher is over, uh, presiding over. And at one time, she had me there for like a career day, spoke to some students about the industry, and they got excited. I said, look, you know, we really need to do a full panel and mm-hmm. invite the entire school out to this because, one, we're going to miss out. When I say me, this, this university is within my neighborhood, which is primarily filled with people of Caribbean origins. 
And I'm like, look, you know, these people are gonna miss out on an opportunity just like they possibly missed out. Not possibly, they missed out on the tech boom mm-hmm. or the internet boom because slow to adapt. You might think this is not a, you know, a field that's gonna be growing or the access or, you know, whatever the reservation is. Right. That you're gonna leave these students behind. And there's so many jobs in this space. If you mm-hmm. want a job, there's so many opportunities. If you don't start now, you think this is like this quote unquote bad thing that's happening. I'm like, bro, legalization is happening. And you see like New York legalized recreationally last month, you know, two months ago. Happening. So I had this talk two years ago at Mega Everest because I saw it was coming down the pipeline. You know what I'm saying? But I had to push them and then like they were like, we sh- should we have this conversation because it's a city college? Right. We should we even be talking about this industry, you know? Right. But, like that was two years ago. You know, so I, if no one had that talk with them two years ago, they will now be starting. They'll be right. two years behind. And you started you know what I'm saying? seven years ago, six years ago? Six years ago. Six years ago. Yeah. I still think that's pretty impressive, the traction and, and momentum that you had in just six years. Don't, I mean, normally it takes brands, what, at least, what, a solid 10? It will be bigger if my people actually listen to me more. Oh, okay. <laughs> no shade, but hey. <laughs> Okay. So that kind of ties into, I was talking about stigma. So clearly if you're a lecturer at a college, it's definitely shedding. It's not the same as it used to be. I can't imagine five years ago they were having a guest speaker come in to talk about cannabis five years ago. No, no, not five years ago. Right. No. So, yeah. Okay. Wait, hold on. I just saw it as like, I, I I just see gray areas, you know? Like I could, I travel to random countries. You know, yeah. Okay. Well, places. I know this is not a natural leap, and maybe it's too late. What? So, how did the travel, like the the travel bug, is this a function of your former professional corporate life, or this is just no, like, how you were raised? Now, my first trip was to Trinidad when I was young with my pet, with my my cousins or my brother. But I think my first travel bug bike came um <laughs> probably during spring break of college because okay you know um you know spring break everyone plans well if you if you have went to college spring break is a time of, your group of friends normally says decides we're gonna go someplace and we're gonna have a good time and experience right. something, turn up whatever right <laughs> so this one year my friends were like yeah we're gonna go to LA so, you know, everybody's down at first, like six people, like, yeah, no, it was like 10 people. Like, yeah, we're all going to LA for spring break. My homegirl, Tiffany, she was from LA. She was like, yeah, you guys can all come out to LA, come hang out and yeah. learn about LA and just hang out. And I'm like, all right, cool. So 10 people turned to seven. The seven turned to like five, five turned to three, <laughs> three turned to two, two Next. turned to one. At the end of the day, everybody's like, oh, I can't do it no more. And I'm like, yo, I got my ticket. I'm going. <laughs> I went out there by myself and kicked it. Tiffany showed me all around LA. I was riding my bike on Venice Beach. <laughs> like her, her parents owned a soap so food restaurant in Marino del Rey. Oh, cool. So like it was just a good experience. Like I didn't feel like I had any difficulties getting around. And I, I like riding my bike around town and just seeing things and seeing people and just seeing different perspectives uh-huh. and different ways of life. So that's kind of like how it started with that. Then I just discovered that, look, you don't really need, I mean, it's good to travel with people, but I'm right. perfectly fine traveling by myself. You know? And the rest is into the state. You, know, you do that. Things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And partially, probably being from New York, I would be probably more acute to like, you know, danger and things like that, you know, but, you know, I just try to like keep a low profile and, you know, try to be very respectful of, you know, wherever I'm at, you know, mm-hmm. respectful and, you know, and alert and diligent and, you know, do my background research. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not going to go out there <laughs> trying to like, you know, be the man, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just blending in as much as possible or I'm, or I'm with someone that I've met before that mm-hmm. has someone show me the ropes, you know? But okay. yeah, solo travel is is not. Oh, that's been before. Person. This has nothing to do with cannabis. This is just who Paul is from the LA. It has a lot to do with cannabis. So. It has a lot to do with because that's you know one of the one of the ways um, you met these I, people. I met you know people that linked me with partners 
and also introduce me to the investors, you know? Okay, okay, true. So, okay. like, it's like your network, you mm-hmm. know? So if your network is, I mean, you know, it's it's a blessing because based on your network, um, and my network consists of people that I've known from around the way mm-hmm. to people that are, you know, you know, live in many ways, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very like, anybody, anyone from the, from, I know dudes from the corner, from dudes from the institutions, you know, or like, you know, super wealthy, super, you know, you know, oh, I get it. okay, yeah, super, super striving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So, it's a wide know, spectrum. Wide group. Okay, very diplomatic. Spectrum, you know? Very diplomatic, and I think that ties into, like you said, you have certain experiences and stories that people just would not believe. But yeah, yeah. Okay, wait. You guys are asleep. I want to kind of get to the fire round. I'm going to ask you a serious question about pivoting and rebounding. So this all sounds amazing, very sexy. Thanks to Tiffany for now, you the travel bite. But throughout this journey, Paul, it seems like, all right, so you called three times for the tobacco company and you never gave up. So clearly you're tenacious. But in building your brand and business, like what is the time that sticks out the most where you were just like, what the F did I do? I don't want to do this anymore. Like this was a big mistake. If ever. Throughout my entire life? Um, Let's say within the last seven. It depends. Is there a better story that has nothing to do with men? You know, um, you know, a new experience for me is, you know, working with partners, you know, because everyone has, you know, their own viewpoint and then everyone should be on the same team page mm-hmm. to, you know, get to the, the goal, the goal line or championship or whatever the goal is, you know? Okay. And, and, you know, the thing about life is that um, people have different, you know, tactics or tools, right? Or, you know, like a box of crayons, everybody, you know, there's a, there's a color that does, something different you know you know so like literally there's mad colors in a rainbow right and you need everyone to put their color in to create this beautiful spectrum you know so um in dealing with partners you have to really understand people's strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and respect their viewpoint you know because um their questions and concerns could probably help you know um answer questions or concerns customers might have you know, right. so it's definitely something to consider. So I think, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, um, I think the rebound is like, you know, like recalibrating, right? So like at first when we launched, we were very aggressive mm-hmm. and we launched in like multiple states, like three states. We were in Colorado, California, and Nevada. Okay. And then we recalibrated to focus just on one state, Colorado, which was to grow the brand, get the product line together. Uh, we brought on a CEO to help streamline and you know make this um, make this brand a household name in Colorado. And use Colorado as a springboard to uh, perfect the brand and to you know roll it out in other states. So that's what we did in the process of doing. So that recalibration process was a learning experience on how to, you know, um, how to essentially um, go from like shooting from the hip mm-hmm. to like, you know, putting down a business model. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like having an operations persons and like, you know, we have uh, operations person that makes sure like all in the understanding of charts and numbers Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, going over all these graphs, you know what I'm saying. So like, literally, that was a that was a point. Like, you know, learning that you can't just. I mean, being an entrepreneur, like sometimes you overlook those um, checks and balances, as well as the strategy, the accounting, mm-hmm. and the um, logistical issues that you know makes 
you know, the product really win because besides having a brand and besides having a excellent product, a suit has to get to you on time. A suit has to have quality. So right. you have to make sure the bills are paid. So you have to make sure that, you know, there's a sales team. You have to make sure that there's operational support. Mm-hmm. There's customer feedback. There's, you know, customer, you know, responses, acquisitions. It's all types of things that go into like, not only just building a brand, but building a business and right. business model that has all these, you know, doors and windows and wood and refrigerators and stuff. all these things build a house, right? So you have to acquire all these, you know, appliances, you know what I'm saying? And structures and all these accessories to beautify this house, you know? <laughs> so you, just, you start with the frame and then you just start, you know, adding the windows and, you know, you know, make sure the foundation is correct, but it's like a house. It's like building a house. That's really what it is. So right. that was a key learning going from building a brand, from having, you know what I'm saying, like you might have this sketch and paint the picture, but now you have to actually build it once you paint the picture. And see, it's surprising. I guess you're, even though you're a business guy too, because you had double, double majored, you much more of a creative BD person than yeah. the actual Louise. Which is natural for an under. Okay. All right, Paul. We're getting into the fire round. So I'm going to just ask you some questions and you just spit out the first thing that comes to mind. Is it a one word or is it? It could be a, a full phrase, sentences, a whole story. Okay. All right. What's the last thing that you ordered on Amazon? I ordered something today. What was it? Uh, Waters. Oh, that water. No, 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 waters. I'm going to go fly fishing this weekend. Wait, those, those pants that you wear when you go. Oh, those, those, I thought you said like water. water. I go I, W-A-D-E-R. Oh, cool. Where, where can you go? Where? In, in New Jersey. Oh, okay. New Jersey. Oh, that's cool. It's going to be my first time. So Very fun. So you're a cyclist and a, and a fisherman. Yeah, I'm just trying all this new, this new, uh, these are, these are all new developments. Fun. Okay. If you had a 100% chance of succeeding, what would you attempt to do? Live forever. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) All right. What's your favorite way to decompress? Come home and chill. Oh. Is it really music? It's music. Oh, I was like, hey. <laughs> okay. Wait, listening or playing or what? Listening. Listening. Okay. Okay. Listen. Um, who are some of your mentors? My mentors are um, people I've met along the way and also people that I read about. So um, personal mentors like Ralph Reynolds, a fashion um, brand owner, um, uh, John Frazier. These are all people that I've worked with throughout my years. Okay. Some of my professors from college. So people that I've had experience with. And then some of my friends are mentors, really, because Mm. I have friends that do some amazing things. And I'm like, I do. You're like a titan of this or like, you know, you've done this. So like, you know, your friends that have way more experience in a certain field are like mentors too. Right. I I look at them as mentors. I don't really, my peers, I'm not like, oh, you're my peer. You can't be a mentor. But now you've actually done it before I have. And you know, and I trust that you're telling me information (laughs) in good faith. So I'm going to listen to you. Right. Well, that's good that you, that you don't feel, you know how some people feel this, intimidated when their circle is too strong but clearly you have a very like you said expansive network but i think yeah i had a mentor early yeah i had a mentor really early too um this guy named doug evans Mm -hmm. when i was a teenager he was a mentor so yeah yeah, he used to teach me a lot about he used to say because he he, uh he was a young he became a young millionaire and he used to say paul um 
you know, I don't do laundry. I said, why you don't do laundry? He said, because my hour costs too much. So he's like, I'd rather outsource my laundry because my hourly rate is way too much to be doing laundry or cleaning my house. I'm like, okay, I hate that. So he says, tell me like the power of time, right? That's honestly, but that is true. The cost, the cost benefit, like uh, time value, what he could be doing. Are you guys still friends? We're not. We lost contact, but I still know those conversations. He's, he used to have me reading books. Um, one book was called The Greatest Salesman in the World. Yes. Yeah. yeah he, he used to actually tell me to read the book every day and read it out loud every day. Okay. So What's had to the difference? It was, I think it was really to, to, for conviction, I think. Okay. I think it's for conviction. Conviction and confidence. All right. <laughs> He's going to have to read that and think and grow rich. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I'm almost finished. Okay, what's your favorite men's product? Favorite men's product is the Mellow Mellow Vape pen. It has like a blueberry uh, flavor note to it. Oh, okay. And um, I mean, because you know, like the Mellow app. So Mellow was, so... We created, um, me and my boy, we created the whole like brand lines and it was like up-tempo, mellow, hybrid. It was just to oh. compliment musical terms, like mellow, cool. up-tempo, inspire. It was like improvisation, things like that. So. Oh, I like, okay. So it makes you feel- and Of course, the, the color of mellow, so, yeah. There, there's, there's a lot more thought than I think people realize that you put into this and they just absorb it. It feels natural, but that's, I like it. Music, mellow, blue. Okay. Anyway. Um, speaking of which too, like this whole thing with, with people and I, I know it's a sidebar with the vapes. So it's not that the vapes are dangerous. It's the black market putting bad stuff in the vape, right? Yeah. No, the vape crisis was, I mean, you had a, you had a couple of things that um, factored in, but yeah, it was illicit markets, like people making their own vapes at home, like yeah, our stuff in like Colorado like goes to like a lab, mm. <laughs> like it's like you know serious machinery that's extracting. Okay. And like product, that's the one thing about legal markets that the okay. products are always tested. So you have to make sure that there aren't pesticides, that there aren't any contaminants to even put it on the shelf. But when okay. it's on a black market, there's no one testing. It's like, look, yo, you got this. You got the shit in there that no one's there's no checks and balances. All you know is that someone's selling it to you and it's a good price. You're like, all right, let me just get that because you think it's good. So that's the beauty about and that's one thing I do kind of not kind of that's one thing that the, the legal market does give you is the checks and balances at least. Mm-hmm. You know that it's a qualified product that has some you know scientific measures in place to make sure that right. You know, most of the harmful stuff or all the harmful stuff. I mean, it's too much liability for you guys, obviously, to not go through that. So, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, What would you tell yourself 10 years ago? Ah, 10 years ago. You know, um, Damn, 10 years ago, what would I tell myself? That's a tough question, because I feel like I did tell myself 10 years ago. <laughs> I'm not even trying to be funny like that, but I feel like, all right, I'll just say what I, I, I would say, continue to take chances, you know? And, 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 you know, failures are learning moments, you know? Continue to take chances and be brave and bold. And I'll say speak up. Because a lot of times when you're like an entrepreneur and you have a perspective and point of view, it's rare that people are on board in the beginning, right? You could think of so many people that had ideas shot down, like think of Elon Musk, Reginald Lewis, Earl Graves, whoever, you know what I'm saying? Like that has these wild ideas. If you don't have like, if you're not like an incubator or like, some place where you have a friend group that's just like, yo, go after it. People will be like, how'd you even think about this? Why are you doing this? Like, All the time. you know, a lot of people, a lot of people are scared of taking chances. 
A lot of people are scared. And really, all you need to do is take the first step. Once you take the first step, mm-hmm. things just fall in place. At least that's how I feel. And even okay. if it doesn't work out, you, you try. Right. right. Okay. Okay. Lastly, Paul, you look amazing for your age. I've told you this. I know I didn't say this on thing. Normally, and I know this is terrible, this is colorism. Normally, people with a little less melanin, they age not as well. But you, so do you attribute this to your lifestyle, your products, or your genetics? Um, genetics and lifestyle. Okay. Genetics and lifestyle. Yeah, my dad is... Um, my dad is 78 and he's still, you know, still has his hair and stuff and, you know, still walking around doing his thing. So he's pretty cool. Um, so I think for my dad and then like, you know, I try to like, you know, stay active. I try to eat. I mean, I have, you know, I've watched my blood pressure because even though you can be working out, you can still have genetically, you still have yeah. blood pressure issues or a lot of these, you know. Right harmful things that happen to like certain ethnic groups you know so mm-hmm. so genetics and lifestyle you know so and i enjoy life i love life i mean like who wouldn't i mean i, I was gonna say who would people have hard no say life, it paul who wouldn't want to be paul not, who wouldn't want to enjoy life i mean like it's such oh. a beautiful world <laughs> it's a big world i mean like there's so much to see true and it's not all about having resources and money to do it it's about having the imagination and the curiosity. And like, if you can't do something on your own, you can do it with people. Like if right. you can't afford to do something, <clears throat> I mean, people can work together. Like if your goal is to travel, maybe you and your friends to set up a little network. Like one friend works at a hotel, one That's friend true. works at an airline, one friend works at a rental car place, one friend works, you know, and then that way you can all travel together. Maybe you can, you know, be resourceful. deals or discounts or whatever you know you can be resourceful so there's right. ways to do everything right. it's like starting a business you know all come together so i think that you know as a group or just if you want to buy property or whatever you want to do like you can yeah. kind of get your if you can get your friends together you can do whatever you know right. so um and i think i've had like um some great education okay um i definitely understand the sacrifices my parents made in terms of like making me do stuff like read the paper you know, make me do stuff like homework, make me do stuff like, you know, like taking response, like pushing me to get into certain schools when I were like, when I was younger, like to test into like junior high schools and uh-huh. high schools and things like that. So like, they're definitely, um, we're advocates for education. You know what I'm saying? Cause I think education, as much as I hated it before, I think education definitely gives a uh, different perspectives and at least gives mm-hmm. you like a, a reasoning tool, you know, in okay. the back of your head. So they were very traditional Caribbean parents. I found that, and I mean, I happen to be African-American, but living here in Miami, I guess, and I'm not talking bad on African-Americans, that's me. So culturally, I just find that probably your parents valued education more so maybe than some of your peers. Or do you think that's just a case-by-case basis? It's case-by-case, but, you know, literally enough, Trinidad, um, we're very big on education. They produce some amazing, like, doctors and lawyers. Um, oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Also, like, yeah, yeah, no. I had some family that was medical, some family that was in foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. You know, but what was interesting is that, um, you know, like, immigrants, they came they, they came to America, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you come to America to turn out. <laughs> like, if you, I mean, it was hard to get into the country. So if you got here, <laughs> you're not trying to waste your shot. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you come here, you see the land opportunity. You're going, you know, you're going to do what you can. You're like, yo, all right, we go to school. All right, we go to college. I can do everything if I just try a little harder, you know. And of course, you know, you had those barriers in place. But I think what was interesting as some of the um, Caribbean people was that I think coming from those countries, I'm sure they faced barriers whether it's racism and not having money things like that mm-hmm. but they were always so way around like all right we just all right i just work a little bit harder or let me just try to think a little bit smarter right it, it wasn't like all right this is the stop point it was like okay how can i like circumvent this right 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, everybody does that, but I think that, you know, and I think that's for mostly all immigrants. You know what I'm saying? They like got here and they risk they risking it all to come to a country. So you might as well. You might as well turn up. You gotta go for the goal. You gotta go. Okay, that makes sense. And, and, and that first generation that comes sacrifices for the next. Right. So that generation, they're the ones that are working super hard, really. Right. Multiple jobs, holding out a family, like really busting their ass so that the next generation even with me. So I have a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the beauty is like your parents bust their ass to actually give you a choice. Right. And, and if you have the power of having a choice, that's a huge blessing. That's true. And I just find personally it disrespectful to them for me not to try to raise rise to the top. So I feel like you're the same. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I really, really appreciate this. You carving some time out of your super busy schedule to talk with me on Brit well, Happens. You. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. I'm glad we were able to talk about all these, these cool things. <laughs> I know. I feel like this is just like the tip of the iceberg. I think that's what's a part of your allure as well. It's never, it could just be me being super inquisitive. It's, it's like bit by bit get a little bit more information from Paul. But this was really helpful. And how oh, how can people find you online or the brand online? Yeah, let's go to mezbrands.com or on IG, Twitter, and all that stuff, MezLife, at MezLife, M-E-Z-Z-L-I-F-E, okay. mezbrands.com. If you're in Colorado, you can stop by. Like, we're in about over 100 stores, so mostly any store in Colorado, any chain store, you'll see the products there. Um, they're pretty good. Um, and, you know, check it out. And get into the business, you know, learn some more, read upon it. It's not hard. Everybody thinks that it's hard to get into the Canada space. <clears throat> some things require preparation and timing and all that stuff, but you can still learn on somebody else's dime just by being inquisitive or interning or, what, you know, or, or starting just working in the dispensary, you know, or if you're in a, a non-legal state, working in a medical dispensary. So this way you can get us an industry uh-huh. and learn on a part-time basis. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.